Welcome to the Lion's Den. My name is Aaron Jordan for Impact Sports, and this is my first show. I am really excited to get started here. We've got a lot to talk about today. So how's, how it's going to work is we're going to start off the Lions Den with the game recap of the previous week. So we're talking about the Lions versus Redskins game. Then I'll give my reaction. There's going to be a national recap. And then we're going to have a couple games that we play throughout the show, like fantasy updates today. And we're also going to do a game called Who Would Have Thought? And then we're going to have a next game preview. And finally, we're going to have the impact end zone where that's basically your what to watch for, things to look forward to, that sort of thing. So first things first, Lions played the Redskins this this weekend in a game where I'm convinced they haven't won against the Washington franchise, let alone Washington team, since the Abraham Lincoln administration. Going into this game, it was they were 0-21 against the Washington Redskins at home. And they won 27-20 in case you missed the game. Stafford had 378 passing yards. Uh, there were 63 rushing yards with Joyke Bell as the lead running back. And he did phenomenally. We will get to him later in the show. 120 rushing yards allowed. One turnover. Stafford threw a pick six in the first quarter. But then they had two takeaways. And then my only cause for concern, they had eight penalties for 71 yards. Calvin Johnson got a touchdown for the Detroit Lions, as did Joseph Fourier, who I will get to him in the show. I've become a big fan of Joseph Fourier. As an undrafted rookie tight end, he's made an impact on this team, and we'll explain later in the show. Joyke Bell has got the first touchdown, put the Lions on the board, David Akers certainly stepped up from what he did the week before, and that really doesn't take much considering he was 0 for 2. That being said, that second kick wasn't necessarily his fault because it got blocked, but how do you miss, I want to give this first, how do you miss a kick first that goes shank it left, and then there's a penalty so you get to try it again, and then shank it right? I don't understand that. But David Akers did convert on all of his field goals today, or the other day, which was a very good thing. And we're going to get into my reaction here. I'm honestly, I'm excited that they won in Washington for the first time ever. That is great to hear. My problem comes in the stats that come after that, the stats that their defense allowed. And my cause for concern is when you play a better team, I don't know that the, that the Detroit Lions secondary especially can hold up. The Lions are playing the Chicago Bears at home this weekend. The Bears are the only undefeated team in the Lions division. The Bears actually in, had uh, Mart- Martellus Bennett say that their head coach, Mark Tressman, is like Willy Wonka. He's an absolute genius. The Bears are 3-0. 94 points for, 74 points against. Their defense is not what it was last year, although the Lions have allowed the third most points in the in the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings actually allowing the least with 81, but consider that they are 0-3 right now, as are the Washington Redskins. My reaction is, though, if you're allowing 300 passing yards to a Robert Griffin III, respect to him, who is just not what he was last year. You can tell he's not healthy. That I don't think his knee's 100% healed. He 
really just has been hesitant to run. When he has run, it doesn't look the same. His passes are inaccurate. This is just not the same Robert Griffin III that we've seen. But the Lions still allowed 300 passing yards in this game. Allowed 120 pass rushing yards. That's another cause for concern because, again, consider when you get to play the better teams who can actually convert once they get to the red zone, then I'm not sure the Lions can beat those teams. And then eight penalties for 71 yards. And going back to the season where they went to the playoffs, went 10-6, and which in a sense was a fluke, but still, they, they got lucky in a lot of those games. But a lot of teams get lucky going into the playoffs. The Lions were not a disciplined team back then. And they still aren't a disciplined team now. And Willie Young, who's going to be one of the starting defensive ends after Jason Jones, we found out, is out for the year with a knee injury. Willie Young needs to become more disciplined. Willie Young, the biggest thing, and this drives me insane, is Willie Young is constantly jumping off sides. And I've seen that in every single game that he's played in. There's no excuse for it. Watch the ball. That's all it takes. You don't listen to the quarterback's snap count. You watch the ball. And then once the ball is snapped, then you rush. You don't rush any moment before that. Willie Young needs to step up. I saw on the sidelines after, after Willie Young jumped off sides in the Washington Redskins game when he came in, Jim Schwartz was not happy about that. Jim Schwartz was actually appeared to be... Uh, talking to one of his assistant coaches, and he was a little bit heated about it. And I can only assume it was about Willie Young, because it was right after it happened. Jim Schwartz was not a happy camper after that. And again, this is their first win in Washington, and you take it any way you can get it. They got that albatross off their neck. 1-21 in in Washington now, and once you get that albatross off your neck, it becomes easier and easier to win in Washington because you don't have that pressure of, I've got to get that first win. I've got to get that first win. Lions only had one turnover in this game. Stafford was only sacked once. We're going to get to the offensive line later in the show because the offensive line has impressed me this year too. I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about this later, but they're essentially starting two first-year starters. And one of them is Riley Reef, the left tackle, who replaced Jeff Backus. That's no small task. And then Larry Warford, who's an actual rookie. So with that being said, I've been very impressed with how the offensive line has played this year. You've got one turnover. That's not bad at all. It was a pick six. You don't like to see those, but still, that's not horrible. And the thing that the Lions fans are going to have to accept for this year and just what we've seen is 378 passing yards to 63 rushing yards. Granted, your starting running back in Reggie Bush was out with a knee injury. That was a coach's decision. Reggie Bush said he felt like he could have played. Jim Schwartz essentially said, you have no choice. You're sitting out this week. We're not going to risk injury. It's a very long season. But at the same time, the Lions are not a rushing offense. They never have been. Not since the Barry Sanders era. And it looks like what we saw with Javid Best was we thought that Javid Best was actually going to be able to replace Barry Sanders. You don't replace Barry Sanders, but you finally find a running back who can at least 
be a legitimate running back for you. The first legitimate running back they'd had since Barry Sanders, because they'd gone through guys like Kevin Jones. They had, I think, Rudy Johnson for about a half a second. And then Kevin Smith, who couldn't stay healthy. Then Javid Best got his concussions. They brought back Kevin Smith, who looked good. He was a flash in the pan in the season that the Lions went to the playoffs. They thought that Javid Best was going to be able to play the next season. Turns out he hasn't been able to and obviously just got released this season. They have Mikel LaShore. Now, Mikel LaShore was drafted originally to be a power back to be a complement to Javid Best. He was never intended to start. And when they did put him in that starting role, Mikel LaShore does not have the breakaway speed that Javid Best did or Reggie Bush does. It's like... It's it's the same way that Joyke Bell is. Joyke Bell doesn't have the breakaway speed. What Joyke Bell has is the power. He powers through the line. And even after contact, Joyke Bell can get you a, at least five yards after contact. And you don't expect him to be a starter in a game. Joyke Bell is going to be a very good backup. Mikel Ashore last year just was not a legitimate starting running back. So now that the Lions have Reggie Bush, that helps. But I'm not expecting the Lions to all of a sudden be handing the ball off it, it, it to be a 50-50. I still expect it to be at the very least, at the very most, um, I guess I should say the very least, 75% passing, 25% rushing because the Lions are bona fide passers. They have Matthew Stafford, one of the better quarterbacks in the game, the better young quarterbacks in the game. And they have this guy named Calvin Johnson. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of him. So with that, I don't expect the Lions to be handing it off. But there was a noticeable difference in the offense, in my mind, this week. They were certainly missing something without Reggie Bush being there in both the rushing game and the passing game. Because under with Reggie Bush, they at least broke 100 yards, not by much, but they did. With Joyke Bell, they only had 60 passing yards. Coming up next, we're going to do a a brief national recap. You're listening to the Lions Den on Impact Sports. Welcome back to the Lions Den. It is now time for the Lions Den national recap. Newsflash, the majority of the NFC stinks. And we're going to focus on one game right now. Um, It was the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers game, in case you didn't hear. The New York Giants were handed their worst loss in the Tom Coughlin era. A 38 to nothing blowout to the Carolina Panthers. And I was reading the stats for this, and it's just honestly baffling. And the passing yards, 208 passing yards by the Carolina Panthers, 90 by the New York Giants, 60 rushing yards for the Giants, 194 for the Carolina Panthers, Penalties were an issue for the New York Giants. Sixty-six penalties for 45 yards. That's better than the Lions, but 27 first downs for the Carolina Panthers. Ten for the New York Giants. So, and one of those came from a penalty. So, f- five passing, four rushing. Giants are now 0-3. And it's just mind-blowing to me that a team that won the Super Bowl, like, less than two seasons ago is now sitting 0-3 in their division with 54 points for them, 115 points allowed. 
I'll say that again, 115 points allowed. That is last in the entire NFL. It's mind-blowing. And then you've got other teams. The NFC East is not that good of a division this year, and the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to be the ones that make the playoffs in that division at this rate. Dallas is 2-1, and one, Philadelphia is 1-2, and two, so those, those two could easily turn it around. But I, I think I have more faith in Dallas at this point. Dallas has only allowed 55 points, which is better than what they did last season, for sure, which doesn't take much. The NFC South, not that great, but Atlanta, I have faith that Atlanta's going to turn it around. Tampa Bay 0-3. There are four winless teams in the NFC. Washington, New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings, Tampa Bay, where there are only two, uh, two teams that are winless in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, it's funny to me that the Pittsburgh Steelers are, have the same amount of wins right now as the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team who finally scored more than three points for the first time this season. They lost their first game where they only scored two points. Their next game, they only scored three. This game that they played last weekend, they scored 17. So a little bit of an improvement there, I'd say. But I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are certainly still a long way away. They've only scored 28 points on the season. Needless to say, that is last in the NFL. But I want to talk about the Chicago Bears real quick, too, because the Chicago Bears are the Lions' next opponent. They've been very impressive overall this season. And obviously, they are 16th in the NFL in total rushing yards with 105. They have 225 passing yards. But they've allowed 294 passing yards on the season and 887, or oh my lord, 88.7 passing yards. It's my first show, just bear with me here. Uh, They are ninth overall in the NFL, so stopping the Lions' run for the Chicago Bears is not going to be that big of a deal. We're being honest here, the Lions do not have a running game. We're going to get to our game preview in just a little bit, but I am going to say early here, early on here, that the Lions and Bears game will come down to who throws the last touchdown. It will be a chess match between Jay Cutler and his number one receiver, uh, Brandon Marshall, versus Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford. And that's going to be an interesting matchup there because I don't know that the Lions' defense can hold that. They, they have, um, they're better at, on passing defense, but not by much. The Bears are 24th in the NFL in passing defense. The Lions are 19th. We're going to get to that one a little bit later. Of course, there are some undefeated teams still in the NFL, and those teams include the Chicago Bears, 3-0, New Orleans, Seattle, who is just absolutely dangerous at home, as we know, New England, and Kansas City, and... Who would have thought Kansas City coming off the season that they had a year ago? This is a team where they went 2-14, and 14, shuffled quarterbacks around like they were playing a shell game, like the shell game on The Price is Right. And they had Javon Belcher, the linebacker who shot his girlfriend and then killed himself in front of two coaches including the head co- then-head coach Romeo Cronell 
and GM Scott Pioli. It's amazing what the teams do with an actual quarterback now because last season they were shuffling uh, they were shuffling Brady Quinn, never been that good as a pro quarterback, and Matt Castle, who, let's be honest, um, Kurt, Curtis Painter would have done well with the offense that the Detroit that the New England Patriots had that season. The only reason that they weren't in the playoffs was Miami had a miracle season. Matt Castle was throwing to guys like uh, he was throwing to guys like Randy Moss and Wes Welker. You could have a good season passing to those guys. Curtis Painter, who was terrible when he was the backup to Peyton Manning and was terrible the year he started in place of Peyton Manning in 2011, could have had a better se- could have had just as good of a season as Matt Castle did, and that's the only reason he got the job. Matt Castle started the whole movement of backup quarterbacks who have maybe shown flashes of greatness, not even greatness, but decency in games, i.e. Kevin Cobb, who went and did not perform well at all. Granted, he was injury prone in Arizona. And then Matt Flynn, who has essentially scammed two teams out of money, the Seattle Seahawks and the Oakland Raiders. Both of those teams brought Matt Flynn in to be the starter. He lost out to Terrell Pryor this year in Oakland. Last year, he's, he lost out to a rookie third-round draft pick in Russell Wilson, not to discredit Russell Wilson. But they were paying him as a starter, and he was a bench warmer. And the only reason he got that job and he got the contract that he got was the fact that it was a combination of two things. The one game he played that got him that job in Green Bay against the Detroit Lions. It was the fact that the Lion, the Green Bay Packers had great receivers in Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, and even James Jones to an extent that game. And they also have Jermichael, had Jermichael Finley that season, coupled with an absolutely atrocious Detroit Lions secondary where they were starting the likes of Alfonso Smith, and Aaron Barry, along with Amari Spivet in that game. Anyone could throw against that passing, that pass defense. They were terrible. And they were terrible when they played the New Orleans Saints. So that's the only reason that Matt Flynn got that job. But overall, just a surprising week in the NFL, considering the teams that went down, and considering especially the bloodletting that the New York Giants had, losing 38 to nothing. Cleveland Browns, after trading Trent Richardson and uh, essentially Brian Hoyer, the third-string quarterback, leapfrogging the backup quarterback, Jason Campbell, he led them to a win. Rob Chudzinski, the head coach of the Browns, saying he is not sure if Brian Hoyer will start this week or if it will be Brandon Whedon. Lions Den continues after this. We're going to play a game called Who Would Have Thought? This is Impact Sports. Things are just flying by here on the Lion's Den, and we are on to now our first feature, which is Who Would Have Thought? And this is where we just go through and recap things that maybe on the week or even on the season that are a little bit surprising, and not many people would have thought about this. So here we go. First one is, who would have thought that Joyke Bell, 
would have the impact that he's having. Now think about this. Joyke Bell was, I never expected him to play as a Detroit Lion. Guy was working security, and he went to Wayne State. He was undrafted, bounced around the NFL for a while. This season, he has 119 rushing yards in 34 attempts, three touchdowns, and he filled in very nicely once Reggie Bush went down. His problem is he can't catch the ball. However, he, the, his rushing attempts and his three touchdowns benefit you maybe as a fantasy player, which I'll get to that in just a little bit. But he has essentially supplanted Mikel LaShore as the backup running back, and that was something I wasn't sure was going to happen. Joyke Bell has turned into what I believe is one of the Lions' best red zone threats. He will be their third down running back, and he will be their red zone running back because you don't run Reggie Bush up the middle. Reggie Bush will be played in the end zone either as a slot receiver or in sweeps or pitches. He will not be run up the middle. He's not that type of running back. He can be, but that's not where his strengths are. Joyke Bell averages 3.5 yards per carry, but he can get you some some yards after contact. He has 14 receptions on the season for 177 yards. He was not catching the ball in clutch situations in his what was essentially his first big game against the Arizona Cardinals, where the Lions were targeting him a lot once Reggie Bush went down. Reggie Bush has sure hands as well as quick feet. Joyke Bell was not catching in clutch situations. You could tell he was just hearing footsteps throughout the game. But the impact that he's had as a legitimate red zone threat and a power back, and when I mentioned Mikel Shore earlier as a power back, he wasn't really that good of a power back in his first season, what was essentially his rookie season, because he missed the first uh, his first season, his actual rookie season, as a with an Achilles injury. We'll get to Mikel Ashore a little bit later, but Joyke Bell is definitely having more of an impact than I thought he would have. Item number two, who would have thought that rookie undrafted free agent tight end Joseph Fourier would become a legitimate weapon? I'm not saying go out and sign Joseph Fourier in your fantasy leagues. I would actually dissuade you from it because he has a whopping total of 14 points on the season, including six in the last game. That being said, he has 32 yards and only four receptions, and two of those receptions are for touchdowns. Could he be a possible replacement for Brandon Pettigrew in in the receiving area? Because you didn't see Tony Scheffler in certain situations against the Arizona Cardinals that I would have liked to have seen him. Brandon Pettigrew had so many balls bouncing off his hands that I would have thought he was an MSU wide receiver. He can't catch. He has trampolines for hands. The ball keeps just bouncing off of them. Yes, he had one clutch catch for a first down. But he's had a lot of dropsy issues, especially this season. Brandon Pettigrew will get to his fantasy worth, or lack thereof, a little bit later. But I think that I can make a case, and I will make a case, that Joseph Fourier should be the Lions' receiving tight end in certain situations, especially in the red zone and in clutch situations. He's shown he can catch when you need him to catch. 
and he's only he's only been targeted four times, and that's and he's has thirty two yards receiving. Now Brandon Pettigrew is a decent blocker. The problem is he doesn't catch the ball. So I'm curious to see how the Lions will use Joseph Fourier this season, because Joseph Fourier until until Michael Williams, uh, the rookie tight end that they drafted, was until he went down in the preseason. Joseph Fourier wasn't even expected to make the team. I'm going to be curious to see what role that Joseph Fourier plays as the season progresses. Item number three, who would have thought that the offensive line would have come along as quickly as it has? Stafford has to be celebrating the way this offensive line has played this season. They've only allowed two sacks on the season to the 29 that they had last year. And this is where they're essentially starting two first-year players in rookie Larry Warford and second-year veteran Riley Reef. Jason Fox started one game for the Detroit Lions this year, but I believe he has uh, since been replaced by Corey Hilliard. Now, this offensive line, maybe they aren't getting the rushing, the rushing blocks, but then again, I, I stand by the fact that the Lions still don't have that good of a running game, especially with the fact that Reggie Bush has been hurt, and he's been hurt for about a game and a half. I'm not sure whether I, I expect him to play this weekend or not. If it's a knee injury, I don't think he should because it's a very long season, but the fact that the pass blocking is so much better than it was last year, this has to help Matthew Stafford in completing passes. Because Stafford last year was completing, was throwing so many passes sidearm because he had the pressure on him. Stafford doesn't resort, resort to the sidearm unless he's under pressure, and that's to get the ball out quickly as well as avoid it being tipped. Otherwise, he throws overhand because obviously that's where his strengths are. He threw sidearm so much last season that I nicknamed a fantasy team based off of him. Not even kidding. One of my fantasy teams is called Stafford Sidearm, and that's actually the team that's doing the best this season. I'll get into fantasy coming up next. But Matthew Stafford has been throwing less under pressure. He's been more accurate this season. He only he threw one interception against the against the Washington Redskins for a pick six, which that was more or less uh, two th- a combination of two things, a bad route run by Calvin Johnson and an accurate throw by Stafford. Stafford overthrew Calvin Johnson on that pass. But on the season, Matthew Stafford has only thrown two interceptions. He has fumbled it twice, but last year he threw 56 interceptions. Or as over the career, he threw 56 interceptions over his career, and he's only thrown two this season. In 2012, he threw 17. His rookie season, he threw 20, and he only played in 10 games that season. In 16 games last year, he threw 17 interceptions. 2011, he threw 16 interceptions in 16 games. Threw one interception, but that was in in 2010, but he only played in three games that season. So Matthew Stafford looked to see his turnovers possibly go down. He's had two fumbles this season, but expect that to improve over the season as well. Finally, who would have thought that Mikel LaShore, the six foot, the six foot, 233 pound running back 
third-year running back out of Illinois, would go from starter last season to bench warmer this season. Mikel Ashore averaged 3.7 yards per carry last season. His longest was a 16-yard run. And in 215 attempts, he only had 798 yards and nine touchdowns. So this is the thing about Mikel Ashore. He didn't have the breakaway speed. I have a feeling that the marijuana certainly didn't help that because he was arrested for possession of marijuana. And if I remember correctly, he's the one who tried to eat the marijuana when he got pulled over. And he and the person he was driving with got pulled over. He tried to eat it to hide it from the police officers. He does not have the breakaway speed. He actually has less than that. Mikel Ashore is not that fast of a runner. So, and he's actually said, I would welcome a trade. And Jim Schwartz has said, well, we're going to play him at some point, but the opportunity hasn't presented itself. And think about this one. In the, in the last game against the Washington Redskins, Theo Riddick actually got a couple carries in the backfield, passing Michelle, Mikel Ashore on the depth chart, backing up Joyke Bell. So I never would have thought that Joyke Bell would have had the impact that he's had and Mikel Ashore would be a bench warmer this season. I, did, I thought that going into this season... The carries, in a way, would be split between Reggie Bush and Mikel Ashore. Mikel Ashore would become the power back that he was intended to be when he was drafted to back up Javid Best. He was never supposed to be a starter. I thought that that's essentially what he would be to Reggie Bush. But now Joyke Bell is playing that role. Coming up next, Detroit Lions fantasy update. You're listening to the Lions Den on Impact Sports. Oh, the fantasy segment on the Lions Den. One of my favorite segments because it's the way that the Lions can benefit you aside from the countless hours of entertainment that they provide over the season or possibly a way to scream at your TV without looking absolutely insane when they don't play well and maybe provide a free haircut for you when you want to tear your hair out and possibly do tear your hair out because of the team. But hopefully that won't happen very much this season. But here is the ways that the Detroit Lions can benefit you or maybe lack thereof because some of the fantasy numbers that I am going to read aren't that great. As I said, Joseph Fourier, I would not rush to pick him up. He has 14 points on the season total, including six from the last game. Here is a guy that if he is available in your fantasy league, grab him immediately. Joyke Bell, he had 18 points versus Washington, 45 points on the season. He will be a red zone threat for the Detroit Lions. So he is going to be putting up points for the Detroit Lions consistently this season. He has 45 points overall on the season. I have him in one of my fantasy leagues. And it was, very, it was worth the pickup. I, I was taking a risk. My running backs, frankly, stunk in that league. And I was starting David Wilson from the New York Giants, and we all know how the New York Giants are playing. 
Uh, David Wilson is on his way to the unemployment line in my league, by the way. But Joyke Bell, in his first, in the first game of the season, he had 20 points. Against Arizona, he only had seven. But then he had 18 points against Washington. He is a threat in the red zone. And on third down, he will get points for you. So if he is available, grab him immediately. Up next, Matthew Stafford stepping up his fantasy game from what it was the year before. I had Matthew Stafford as my starting quarterback thinking last season, thinking that he would possibly do well given the fact that he has Calvin Johnson and he had Nate Burleson. And uh, I laugh when I'm, whenever I say this, either that or about want to tear my hair out, depending on what type of mood I'm in. He had Titus Young at the time as well. And I had no idea that Calvin Johnson would start the year with dropsy issues. The offensive line couldn't block anything. I had no idea that Nate Burleson would break his leg. I had no idea that Ryan Broyles would blow his other knee out, and I had no idea that Titus Young would lose his mind. Stafford didn't put up fantasy points last season. He ended up being benched in my league for Matt Schaub. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole this season going into the draft, but let's put this take a look at this here. He had 21 points versus Washington, and he has 58 points on the season so far. Matthew Stafford is a guy that I actually would start this season, and I wouldn't say that last season. I benched him last season, as I said. But Matthew Stafford so far hasn't gotten under 15 points. 20 points versus Minnesota, 17 versus Arizona, and as I said, 21 versus Washington. Matthew Stafford could put up some points for you as well, especially if you're in a league where maybe you have a guy like I don't know, Eli Manning, who is not putting up numbers at all, or you're unlucky enough to where you picked up a guy like Christian Ponder. Lions defense, I would not recommend. They only have 23 points on the season, including three versus Washington. You see, that's what happens when you allow 300 uh, passing yards in a game and 120 rushing yards, so 420 offensive yards overall. That's what happens to you fantasy-wise. The Lions are giving you, the Lions defense in a game is giving you as much as paying for concessions would or paying for parking is. You lose in that situation. You win by the entertainment value. You win by points. So avoid the Lions defense and special teams. I feel like that might be a given because the Lions defense is never that great. 17 points for Calvin Johnson. Obviously, he's one who will put up points. He'll get his every week. He has 43 points on the season. He didn't have that great of a week his first week, but he certainly has stepped up his game. And Calvin Johnson, needless to say, is one I would start every single week in fantasy unless he has a bye week. Then, obviously, you shouldn't start him because that's worthless. And now, for one of my favorite topics right now, Brandon Pettigrew. As I mentioned before, Brandon Pettigrew couldn't catch the ball if it had super glue on it. Brandon Pettigrew has trampolines for hands. Throw any analogy in there that you want about dropping the ball, no pun intended. Brandon Pettigrew fits that. Zero points versus Washington. One point 
on the season. Let me repeat that for you. One point, I am not kidding, on the season. That includes the negative two that he had against the the negative two points that he had in the first game of the season, I believe it was. There's a reason I'm not starting him in my fantasy leagues. I drafted him intending for him maybe to be a backup, thinking he possibly could catch up his game. Or step up his game. No. Two, negative two against Minnesota. Three against Arizona. No touchdowns on the season and only 36 yards. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Brandon Pettigrew, as I previously stated about David Wilson, is on his way to the unemployment line in my fantasy league. That is your Detroit Lions fantasy update. We're going to go to a next game preview for the Chicago Bears. You're listening to the Lions Den on Impact Sports. Chicago Bears versus Detroit Lions this week. Lions heading back to Ford Field. And I'm guaranteeing you this. I'm just going to put this out there right from the beginning. This game is going to come down to who throws the last touchdown. Stafford has thrown six touchdowns on the season. He's 77 for 121. And he's thrown for already thrown for 1,020 yards. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Jay Cutler has thrown for 693 yards, completed, completed 68 of 101 passes, and thrown for six touchdowns this season. Granted, the Chicago Bears have more of a running game with Matt Forte. He's rushed for 225 yards. I'm simply looking at the defense here. And the passing defense for both teams isn't that good. The opponent's passing yards, the Lions are 18th in the NFL right now with 262 yards allowed. The Chicago Bears are 24th with 294. Where the Lions and the Bears differ is the Lions have allowed 104 points or 104 yards. They're 16th in the NFL in rushing. And the Chicago Bears have a pretty strong rushing defense because they have a pretty strong defensive line led by some guy named Julius Peppers. They are ninth in the NFL, only allowing 88.7 yards. Here's why I say this game will come down to who throws the last touchdown pass. Both teams are going to exploit the other team's weakness. Know the Detroit Lions passing offense isn't spectacular. I get that. Or the rushing defense, excuse me. It comes down to what's worse. The Detroit Lions, we know what their attack is going to be, whether Reggie Bush is in or not. Because the Chicago Bears have such a good rush defense where they don't have a good passing defense. The Lions are a passing team. This is just going to be easy pickings for them, especially with Calvin Johnson. And the Detroit Lions are starting to hopefully find their weapons besides Calvin Johnson because, let's face it, Stafford throws into double and triple coverage a lot because that's the only way to cover Calvin Johnson. 
one defensive back on Calvin Johnson isn't enough. He'll beat you any day of the week. D'Angelo Hall did an admirable job. Calvin Johnson ended up winning the battle because he got a touchdown on him. But the thing is, with that bad of a passing defense, the Bears have a worse passing defense than the Detroit Lions do. And that takes a lot. I, have, I don't have much faith in the Lions' secondary this season. Darius Slay has not turned out to what I expected him to be. I expected him to come in and be a starter right off the bat. Instead, you've seen Rashawn Mathis, where credit to him, he's been very good this season. But you never expected him to be the starter. Schwartz even said from the beginning of the year, Mathis is my bullpen guy to put in a to put in a baseball reference there. That's the way that Schwartz saw Rashawn Mathis coming into this season. Except Rashawn Mathis has completely outplayed Darius Slay in every aspect imaginable. Darius Slay has given up multiple big multiple big plays. He was benched two games in a row and didn't play a single down in the game against the Washington Redskins. And I think that we aren't going to see unless there's an injury. I don't think the we aren't we are going to see Darius Slay as the starting cornerback for the Detroit Lions for the rest of the season. It's going to be Rashawn Mathis and Chris Houston. Which Chris Houston's good, he's not great. He's a big fish in a very small pond. Chris Houston would be a nickel de- nickelback on any other team he would be he would be a backup on any other team or a number two cornerback but because the Lions secondary is so weak as far as cornerbacks go he's a starter now the Detroit Lions have guys in the backfield like Glover Quinn who has impressed me so far and Louis Delmas who as long as he can stay healthy is going to be very good but if Lewis Delmas can't stay healthy, there's a noticeable difference in that secondary. And Lions fans had better be crossing their fingers that that uh, Lewis Delmas stays healthy throughout this entire season. Here's my official score prediction for the Detroit Lions versus Chicago Bears game. I'd love to have the faith that the Chicago that the Detroit Lions will beat the Chicago Bears. They've already won a game in the division against the Minnesota Vikings. Granted, the Minnesota Vikings aren't that good of a team. They're 0-3. The Chicago Bears have won close games. And the last one was a blowout to Pittsburgh, 40-23. to The game against Minnesota, they won. They squeaked that game out, 31-30. to And then when they won against Cincinnati, it was 24-21. to I'm going to predict that the Chicago Bears will beat the Detroit Lions 34-30 to this week in for, at Ford Field. Sorry, Lions fans, but that's just the way I feel. It will come down to Jay Cutler throwing the last touchdown pass to Brandon Marshall. That's what I'm predicting. Maybe not necessarily Brandon Marshall, but it will definitely be a Cutler pass that ends the game for the Lions. Coming up next... The Impact End Zone, the most bittersweet time of the week. You're listening to Impact Sports. Break out the Kleenex because it is the most bittersweet time of the week. It is the Impact Sports End Zone. 
because this is the last segment of the show for the week. I'm sorry I will miss you all too. So what this is is basically we gather our thoughts, you talk about things to look forward to in the week, and perhaps what to expect from the game. So here we go. My final thoughts here are the Detroit Lions, we, we talked about the win that they had against the Washington Redskins. Here's my final take on that once again. That's great. I want to see more from this team before I actually believe that they are a legitimate playoff contender. Yes, they are second in the NFC North, but that's contending with the Green Bay Packers who will turn things around after a 1-2 and two start. That's playing the Chicago Bears who look like they are just going to be a great team this year. And your their best bet, I believe, at this point is a wild card spot because Green Bay, I, I, I'm not sure who's going to win the division. I think it'll be a dogfight between Green Bay and Chicago. The Detroit Lions need to make the playoffs this year. It's playoffs are bust for Jim Schwartz. I need to see more from this Lions team to know that they are going to to know that they're going to win and make the playoffs this season. It was a fluke the first year. They came back so many games. They did get lucky. Their pass defense has to improve. It has to. There is no way that they are going to beat teams like Chicago, like Green Bay, with the pass defense that they have. And they go into Lambeau Field next week, a game that they haven't won since... George H.W. Bush was president. Not even kidding. I don't think they've won there since 1991. So they're going to have to step it up in order to win this week. I don't think they will beat the Chicago Bears. I hope they do. But that's my thoughts on that. The Chicago Bears, as I said, it will come down to a dogfight. It will be whoever throws the last touchdown pass in the game that will win the game this weekend. And once again, here, here's just to recap. Start Joyke Bell, Stafford, and Calvin Johnson. Sit the Lions defense and sit Brandon Pettigrew. We talked about the impact that Calvin, that Joyke Bell has had. That's basically what we've learned today. And finally, things to look forward to for this weekend. Look forward to a very entertaining game. Fans love the passing game. Yeah, they like what like it when a running back jukes someone, makes a good cut, gets some good blocks, and has a long touchdown. Fans really like the one-handed catches, the exciting passing game, things like the greatest show on turf, even though they actually had a running back by the, by the name of Marshall Falk. <coughs> Excuse me. Things to look forward to. Look for a great fantasy week from Matthew Stafford against this weak, weak, weak Chicago Bears pass defense. Look for a decent game for Calvin Johnson because, again, the, the Bears' secondary is weak. But also look to sit the Lions' defense and special teams as far as fantasy goes because I don't think they're going to survive the Cutler-Marshall combo. You can also look forward to the fans maybe being a little more optimistic going into this game. Fans weren't sure what to expect coming into this season. I don't think they thought that the Lions would beat 
would beat the Minnesota Vikings, let alone hold Adrian Peterson to less than 20 yards after he had the long, the 77-yard touchdown run in the first game on his first carry. So I think that's one thing to look forward to and what to expect from this game. Once again, look for it to be an offensive showdown. Watch Maybe the defenses crumble a little bit. You're not going to see anything from the Detroit Lions running game. You might see a little bit from the Chicago Bears. It just depends on how the D-line plays and whether Willie Young, honestly, and can um, step it up, play disciplined, and find out what side of the ball he's supposed to be on when the ball is snapped. That's what Willie Young needs to improve on. The Lions need to be more disciplined. I know they're not... They haven't been for the past few years. They won with an undisciplined team. You don't see teams winning Super Bowls that play undisciplined. I'm not saying the Lions are going to win a Super Bowl this year. I do not think they will. But if they want to win a Super Bowl, if a Super Bowl truly is their goal, they need to start playing more disciplined. And I would love to see more. That's a wrap for the Lions Den this week. For Impact Sports, I'm Aaron Jordan. We will see you next week for the recap of the Chicago Bears, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun next week.